1: Hey, on today's show, in the spirit of the Summer Olympics, the training and discipline it takes to get to the medal stand, it can be motivating to you in your quest for financial independence. We're measuring milestones on today's show.
0: This is the Get Ready for the Future show. And welcome in, everybody. Good morning.
1: It is the Get Ready for the Future show. My name is Scott Inman, along with me, John Shrewsbury, and Teresa Arago. As we get in the Olympic spirit, of course, the opening ceremonies last... Friday night, and in, things are in full swing in Tokyo now, mm-hmm. and uh, it is a special time. I think there's a little extra pride if you're an American uh, sure. during this time as Team USA competes. What's your Olympic sport? What's your, what's the one you like to watch the most?
2: Tennis. Tennis. Yes. Yeah, you're a tennis guy. I am yeah. a tennis guy. Yeah. I used to be a tennis guy. I'm an old tennis guy now. Yeah. Former tennis guy. So you don't get enough of that during the year, you still like it in uh, it, Olympics, too? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's uh, it, it's definitely the most interesting thing to me it, yeah. because I played the sport at yeah. one particular point in time. But but I think that, that you know, there's a lot, uh, as you said, there's a lot of interest there. I do this kind of drive-by thing because it's so long. You know, yes. it, yeah. it just takes forever to, to really know what's going on. So I just kind of check in on it every once in a while and kind of see how we're doing. I like the, the, the medal standings that the media has kind of basically you know created and said okay well here's where everybody stands and as long as we're beating everybody then i'm
3: I'm good (laughs) you're good you're just checking to see
1: that
2: flag that the national anthems play
1: that's That's all you really want to know that's it well i think the unusual sports is where i kind of dig in Mm -hmm. there's sports there teresa that we never see and never care about any other time except when olympics come yeah
3: chad and i chad works with me in the conway office we were looking at the list of sports that go into that and there were several of them we were going really that's that's a thing, and uh, one of the things was um, there's a three on three basketball, which I thought is just the way you play street ball. But apparently, that's a thing. So uh, even at the Olympics, and he said it was pretty rough watching the other night that they were playing a lot like street ball in that too. So <laughs> I was like, "Ooh, no blood, no foul." Okay, I can go there. That's about the only way I can play basketball because I'm not that good. So I just waylay everybody I'm playing with. Good to know. <laughs> yes, do not
2: play basketball with Teresa.
3: Good yeah. to know.
1: Well. I, did you know I was watching the other night and surfing was on they were t- oh, they actually weren't showing cool. the competition they were showing that an American surfer had had won the gold medal but I didn't know that I had no it idea. was even a, an Olympic sport but they've mm-hmm. entered surfing and and then they've added you know they're always adding uh, uh, uh events to existing sports I like to watch yes. swimming and Katie Ledecky won last night the 1500
3: that is a they've added
1: long that. swim took, took 15 minutes for them to finish this race John can you imagine 15 minutes of Swimming. And not just swimming, but racing. Yeah. No. It's, no. I so I can tell you five when seconds I was of swimming. when
3: I was back in my lifeguarding days, we had to swim a fifteen hundred meter swim as part of our final exam to get it, but we only had to like we we took like 30, 45 minutes. You know, we yeah, did, we couldn't yeah. stop, but we definitely were not going that fast. So can't I can't imagine. imagine getting that done in fifteen minutes.
1: Well, when you think about how amazing these athletes are, and they certainly have immense raw talent, and but it's the training, it's the discipline, it's the sacrifice. You know, speaking of swimming, Michael Phelps once told once told ESPN that he eats roughly eight thousand to ten thousand calories a day. Now I could probably do that, but I wouldn't. I tried that,
3: but I didn't look like him. That's weird. (laughs) That sounds
1: pretty easy, actually, when you think (laughs) about it. But he eats lots of pizza and pasta, and he routinely eats foods like fried egg sandwiches, you know, and that's just the eating part of it, because he's burning that all off, right? I mean, but the sacrifice and the discipline it takes to be an Olympic athlete, you know, it doesn't quite take that to reach financial independence. But I think that's kind of our jumping off point today Mm -hmm. is there are similarities. You can mirror that. It is not going to be easy. Nobody Nobody wakes up wanting to be an Olympic athlete and and just kind of
2: haphazardly goes through the training and gets there. You don't just roll it out there. No you've gotta have a lot of discipline and financial independence is is really the same thing. And and I think oftentimes we don't want to think about the fact that that our progress up the ladder, if you will, on financial independence really does uh, equate to how much financial discipline we mm-hmm. have with the things that, that we're doing. And, you know, you can take anything to an extreme. And if you look at the life of an Olympic athlete, you, you, you have to say that that's extreme. Yes. You know, that they, they go through a lot of stuff to be able to to just have a chance at that 15 seconds of of fame or whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be. But I think it's a lot easier to reach a comfortable level of financial independence. You don't have to just 100% totally change your life. Mm -hmm. I think you can make a lot of good progress and get to a very comfortable level of financial independence by employing some discipline, but not to the extreme.
1: Yeah. And the thing that always amazes me too, is that they, they never seem to make mistakes. And then when you watch for instance like that swimming race last night the announcers already pretty much know what's going to happen like mm-hmm. the, occasionally there is a shocker but why do you think that is it's because these times that they record over yeah. and over again yeah. they've measured they've had milestones they know this is what we did last time you're going to you're going to work harder you're going to sacrifice you're going to get an extra second off your time in in, in the case of swimming um, they, they know that going in, how they're going to perform because they've measured the milestones along and along
3: the way. the way they've tweaked it yep. as they've learned themselves, as they've learned their sport, they're tweaking it constantly. And that's something that kind of relates to financial independence too, is that you know where you are today and you've got to make tweaks. You've got to make changes a little bit along the way to get where you want to go and to refine your goals too.
2: Well, and and I think that we have tried to create something here at GenWealth that actually does speak to that and recognizes that and helps that. If you go to our website, you will actually see almost a progression mm-hmm. of financial independence from money guide to money works to ready to retire. It is really a life cycle type thing that we are doing uh, here at GenWealth wealth to help all stages of life as far as your finances are concerned if you're just getting started i know teresa you and mark have launched a podcast mm-hmm. called talking sense and it's really is directed to those f- people who are just getting started with their finances
3: yes it, it, to me i think it's not just those who are just getting started but if it Financial education isn't something that was part of your family conversation, which for many wasn't. I know for me it wasn't. This is an opportunity to learn about topics that affect you now, not necessarily retirement fully focused like this program is, but it also deals with day-to-day financial decisions and things that maybe you wouldn't know otherwise. Because there's a lot of information on the internet, there's not a lot of application help, and there's not a lot of wisdom. So we filter through a lot of those things like How much house can you afford and help you understand it a little better so that when you make your decisions, you've got more information on that.
2: And, and then you step up from there, Scott, and go to our money guide program. And that is the the area where people are balancing life and money. And and yeah, it's hard to get started. But when you have a lot of stuff going on in your life, you've got elderly parents, you've got kids, you're trying to, to really try to form some life for yourself mm-hmm. and take care of both ends of the spectrum as far as your family is concerned. And so money guide actually does Help you to step in and and get all those things on paper, on purpose, and really uh, be able to outline your goals and be sure that you're aligning your your financial actions with your goals. And mm-hmm. that is what we've just been talking about. As far as the Olympics are concerned, you've got to align your actions with your goals. If you're going to hit that gold medal, you've got to do that in the money guide process as well. Someone who is kind of in that age bracket, right? Or the money <laughs> yeah. guide. I can
1: attest to this too, is you're also getting closer to being an empty nester. So you yeah. have some opportunities where cash flow should be able to pick up if you don't make some wrong decisions and that can accelerate your path to financial independence
2: that can be a huge pivot point scott uh, when you think about the fact that okay you've got empty nesters and maybe you know financially you've got a little breathing room at that particular point in time what do you do with that that's a Mm -hmm. that is what i like to call a pivot point it is a a a point in time in which you can make some decisions and really make some good progress toward financial independence
3: and that's really what we're talking about today ultimately in this is that there are a lot of times in an athlete who's planning for the olympics that pivot points, you know, we've got teenagers right now who are in Olympic refinement camps, and they're hmm. learning the craft of their sport to get stronger with the hopes of eventually earning that I have a friend whose son is doing it for soccer. And, and when it comes to your finances, there are pivot points too. there are certain ages at which things change the dynamics hmm shift what you have available shifts and we're going to talk about those today but before we even get into those I want to be very clear about something when I joined Wealth, I was in my mid 30s and I had nothing set aside for retirement so understand that if you don't fit one of these pivot points today is your pivot point mm-hmm. You can make your future better than your current situation by making small steps every single day towards your goal.
1: So the third group that we serve is the Ready to Retire group, which is we define as 10 years or less from retirement. Mm-hmm. And we walk through the gen wealth Ready to Retire process with them. And that's kind of where we're going with uh, the milestones today is measuring them by what age you Mm -hmm. are because they do tend to be associated just the way the retirement game is set up or the retirement rules are set up and they are always changing it seems like but (laughs) here lately anyway it seems like they stayed in place for a little while but we're going to kind of choose these ages those are your time markers right we talked about those olympic athletes that when they train they're trying to make their time just a little bit better in practice so that they can get the world record uh, during the games right so the milestone we're going to start with is number 50. That's your age, right? The big one there is you need to be aware that you're eligible to make catch-up contributions to your retirement plans. And if many people know this, many people don't, but you know, there are maximums, there are caps, contribution mm-hmm. limits to a 401k, to a traditional IRA, but the government allows you to increase that when you reach reach age 50.
2: Yeah, if you take a look at, at the contribution limit, it's $19,500. There's a catch-up contribution limit of $6,500 for those 50 and older. So that $6,500 can make a big difference in the mm-hmm. compounding over the over time. Let's say you're going to retire at 65. So if you start at age 50, you've got 15 years for that $6,500 to compound and grow. And everything that you can do to, to pour on on the money, and especially if age 50 coincides with when you have those empty nesters, you know, uh, leaving yep. the house and you have some financial freedom uh, that less obligations to for kids and maybe they've launched on their own, and you can redirect some dollars to retirement. Now's the time to really make hay while the sun shines and, and the government gives you that opportunity with that extra $6,500 catch up with a 401k plan.
3: And I want to repeat that again, because I think there are some people who didn't catch when that increased to begin with, you know, that that nineteen five that is fairly recent that just yes. increased a couple of years ago and i've got c- people who've come in that thought it was still 18 yeah. so uh, you know the limit on a 401k it's 195 if you're below age 50 but that catch up contribution amount is 6500 so you can put 26000 a year of your own yeah. money into your plan then you add on top of that your employer match yeah. but you also get an additional amount that you can add to your iras so the ira limit is 6000 per person but you can add an additional 1000 dollars per person after you've in, uh, gotten above age 50.
1: Yeah, you think about how big of a deal that can be. I mean, another mm-hmm. $26,000 a year. And if you start doing it right at age 50, even if you retired at 60, quarter million dollars of contributions yes. going in, not even counting the growth. So that's mile marker number one, age mile marker number one. We'll continue with the financial Olympics as the Get Ready for the Future show continues right after this. The training and discipline it takes to get to the medal stand in the Summer Olympics can motivate us in our goal of financial independence. And we're talking about some of the mile markers today, and they're related a little bit more towards age. We talked about what happens at age 50, what milestones should you be looking to achieve. I do want to kind of double back real quickly, too. We mentioned we're talking really to the ready-to-retire folks in this show today as we talk about 50 and up, because that's where we're going to go certainly you need to be aware of that even if you're still in your 30s or 40s. These, mm-hmm. There's great information here. But we talked about the MoneyWorks program and the MoneyGuide program. I do want to let you know how you can get involved with that. You can reach out uh, and give us a phone call if you're interested in learning more about MoneyWorks or MoneyGuide. Our 800 number is 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. And you can also reach out via email, info at GetReadyForTheFuture.com if you want to learn more about MoneyWorks or Money Guide. And as we get into the ready-to-retire process, we talked about age 50 in the last segment. Do want to finish up on that. We did not mention the tax advantage there to increasing that catch-up contribution as well. Many people who have been contributing to their 401Ks, certainly you are aware that it lowers their taxable income, but there's Mm -hmm. another opportunity at age 50 to lower that even more. And when you consider you're in your highest earning years, more than likely, that can be a big advantage to do it as well in the current rather than just even thinking about Mm -hmm. long-term.
3: And as you're becoming an empty nester, you're losing those tax benefits of those wonderful little children that you get a write-off on. (laughs) So, So increasing your contributions there, instead of just pocketing all of that excess, allows you to defer some of that tax there And if you're building your Roth savings, then you're building more tax-free income for later as well. Mm -hmm. But something we did want to make sure we note is that when we say age 50, Mm -hmm. you just have to be 50 by December 31st. So for me, my birthday is November 30th. I can be contributing that extra all year long over the course of that year when I'm going to turn 50. I don't have to wait till after my birthday.
2: Did you see what she did there? She just floated out that birthday just to to, just a little tease out there to anybody that might want to send her a birthday present. uh I'm not against Uh that. No. We're not soliciting birthday presents <laughs> no. for Teresa today. I, I wanted to, to mention something that that as you started uh, this segment, Scott, you mentioned the discipline that's necessary, and when people talk about discipline, uh, a lot of people just recoil. They're like, "Oh, I don't uh, That sounds hard. I don't." I I want to really just implore you to think about this, about what you get to do, not what you have to do, because mm-hmm. that makes all the difference in the world. I can tell you, I've been coaching people on with their finances for thirty plus years now, and the mindset that you either have or don't have is very pivotal to the outcome that you're going to get. If you start it with you know this drudgery thought process of, oh, I got to do this. It's just, I got to be disciplined and I don't get to I, that budget thing is going to restrain me from really having freedom and all of that type mm-hmm. of thing. You're not going to get there. You've got to have a different mindset about that. And I think it's the same mindset, Scott, that you mentioned that an athlete has to have. They have to think about that 15 seconds of glory that they're uh, mm-hmm. likely to get worldwide for being a champion at the Olympics. Uh, to being a medalist at the Olympics, even if you just get to stand on the podium, you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't matter what color your medal is, right. uh, it, you still impressive. get that 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 uh, benefit. That's what they are focused on. That's what they're working for. That's what all of the sacrifice is about. There is also a
1: catch-up contribution to a traditional and Roth IRA. I want to mention that too. The contribution limit there before age fifty. Uh, is $6,000, they will allow you, the government, to add an additional $1,000. So $7,000 total after your age 50 if you continue to contribute to. Uh, a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. Now, that's an aggregate total. You can't put 7000 in each of them, but $7,000 can go to a traditional or Roth. Or you can split them if you want, but if you are Roth eligible, that's another thing mm-hmm. we should mention too. If you are in those higher income earning years, you may not be eligible to contribute to a Roth, but the catch-up does apply
3: there. But if you're married, that's each. Yes. So the husband can put in up to seven, the wife can put in up to seven, even if one of them is staying home, not working as long as there's earned income to cover it, you can do that as well.
1: All right, so our next age milestone to kind of measure where you are in financial independence or on your journey towards the gold medal stand, if you will, to keep the Olympic tie-in is age 55. This one's important, especially for people who are considering uh, retiring early because yes. so many of the retirement accounts have that 595 Tag to it. In other words, you're not eligible to take a distribution without penalty until you're age 59 and a half. That works for IRAs. That works uh, for most retirement accounts. But if you're leaving your employer and you leave the money in your 401k or leave enough money in your 401k to bridge the gap to age 59 and a half, you can actually take that without the 10% penalty. Still going to be taxed if it was mm-hmm. a pre-tax contribution, but you can avoid a 10% penalty penalty by knowing where to withdraw your funds
2: from. I don't know if this is uh, totally an outgrowth of, of the COVID pandemic or, or what, but I'm hearing more people mentioning that they want to retire at 55 as mm-hmm. opposed to 60 or 65 or whatever the case may be. And let me just say that that is a call for even more discipline, because mm-hmm. yes. when you think about the dynamic of, of retirement income planning, you've got to be able to stretch a certain amount of money over a longer period of time, mm-hmm. and I can tell you from working with this for so long that if you just move the needle by two or three years, it puts a significant strain mm-hmm. on the amount of money that you have. So you got to have more money to be able to retire at fifty-five than you do at sixty-five. I think that's obviously clear because you've got to be able to to uh, cover that that you know ten years of of income. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that you got to think about is inflation during that time yes. and being able to adjust that over a longer period of time.
3: Yes, because you've got to keep your buying power. It's not just about the dollars you take home. It's how you make those dollars work for your day-to-day budget. And when you're looking at your typical retiree, if they're retiring in their 60s, they're looking at 30 years. So if you're retiring in your 50s, not only do you not have... Uh, the cost-effective Medicare, I say cost-effective loosely, Medicare access, you've got you know, a long period of time where you're going to pay for your health care on your own, but you've also got a longer period of inflation, which means the impact is going to be greater. So if that's something you're wanting to do, you're going to have to be even more disciplined on the front end to make sure you're keeping your debts low and you're really knocking out the savings on the way. Um, but there are also some caveats to this rule. So we want to make sure we're clear about that. When we say that you can pull penalty free from your previous employer, we mean the last person you worked for, and only if you're fully retired. So you can't leave an employer at 55, go do something different and be able to pull from that prior employer. That's not how this works.
2: Yeah, it's got to be a full retirement type thing. And it doesn't include a past employer's retirement program. Let me say also that just because it's legal doesn't mean it's the right thing Mm -hmm. to do. Again, you've got to run the numbers and see if it is something that you can really sustain over that longer period of time. Because as we said, you've got to stretch that money over time. The inflation factor is a factor there. Age 55 retirement sounds great, but again, you've got to employ the discipline early on to be able to make that happen.
1: And if that's you, if you're thinking about retiring at age 55 or somewhere in your late 50s and you don't have a written retirement income plan intact, I would invite you to give us a call. You can call us toll free at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526 or reach out via email. Just send that email to info at GetReadyForTheFuture.com. That's what we do every day at Gen Wealth. build retirement income plans for people who are entering their financial independence phase of life. So if you've got that accumulated savings in that 401k and you don't know if it's going to be enough, and let's be honest, most people don't without a plan. Mm-hmm. I'd say all people don't without a plan. It's, it's just kind of a guess without the plan. Then get a retirement income plan built and we can do that for you. One other thing I want to mention too while we're talking about leaving employers, severing employment At age 55. If you do go to another job, then you have some other options there with the Mm -hmm. 401k. And we want to talk a little bit about that, but we also want to tell you about if you want to know those options. We call them orphan 401ks, these 401ks that have been left behind for sometimes years, maybe even decades, that people even forget about it. So this really applies to anybody. This is not just uh, an age of 55. This is if you left a job at 27 and now you're 55 and you don't even remember what's in that. We can help you figure that out and also go over your options with you. We did a fastest four minutes in finance on the options you have when you leave an employer, what to do with that 401k. If you haven't signed up for the fastest four, you can do that by texting the word FAST to 501-381-5228. Again, 501-381-5228. The fastest four minutes in finance. It's a bit of a spinoff series. Mm -hmm, It used mm -hmm. to be on the Get Ready for the Future show. We needed that extra four minutes of time because of the radio formatting with different radio affiliates we had. We no longer need that. So we don't do it on the show, but we are now sending it direct to your email inbox. So if you text the word FAST to that number, 501-381-5228, you'll get that once a week. And last week's fastest four was about what to do with an orphan 401k.
2: Yeah. And I think that uh, just as an encouragement to you that the fastest four is one of the elements that we use here at Wealth to help you to really educate yourself mm-hmm. about what's going on in the world of finance. We may be talking about the markets. We may be talking about rolling over a 401k plan. There's a lot of different subjects out there, but we wanted to give you something that was just very quick burst, four minutes of your time, and you can get that information ingested in a way that you can actually use it. And then mm-hmm. obviously you you can actually reach out to us and say, hey, I'd like to implement some of the things that I've been hearing about on The Fastest Four. And you can certainly do that by reaching out to us here at Gen Wealth Financial Advisors. Go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com and click the uh, appointment uh, button there. Or you can uh, just give us a call at 866-653-PLAN. Financial Olympics going for the gold, the, using the discipline and
1: sacrifice that athletes uh, endure to get to the medal stand to motivate us to get to the financial independence medal stand Mm -hmm. in life. We're up to age 59 and a half, and that kind of bridges from what we were talking about with orphan 401Ks because a lot of people don't realize that you don't have to sever employment if you reach 59 and a half and you are still working at your employer in most cases. Not all 401K plans offer this, but the large majority of them do. Mm-hmm. offer what's called an in-service distribution. And 59 and a half is that magic number when it comes to retirement, but it becomes very important if you're planning, even if you're not going to retire at 59 and a half, you're still going to work. Mm-hmm. It gives you a great opportunity to do some planning and make some decisions with that money.
3: Most employer plans are accumulation vehicles. They're not made for distribution, which is why this exists. So that as you're nearing retirement, you can get your income plan kind of initiated and kind of part funded so that you're getting a head start. You know, if you're going to retire, nobody controls what the market's going to do. And if you retired into a bad year and you weren't ready, that can be something that just totally derails you. But if you take this opportunity when you have it to do that 59 and a half distribution and you get to do it once a year going forward to be able to keep funding that, then you can work your way towards that where it's not as impactful if the market has a dip in the year that you retired.
2: Scott, we make the analogy that going from uh, working to retirement is like shifting from one season to the other in sports. And since we're talking about sports in the Olympics, let's talk about these two sport athletes, especially between football and basketball. You'll see that happen sometimes where a football player plays football, but toward the end of the season, he kind of fades out of the football game. And begins to train for basketball Mm -hmm. because basketball is a completely different discipline. And when you think about the 59 and a half rule, that is an opportunity for you to begin to prepare your retirement for the transition, for the thing that that you're going to go to, which is taking income. And it's a completely different paradigm than building up money in your 401k plan. To be able to do a 59 and a half withdrawal, you're able to actually uh, continue contributing to mm-hmm. your 401k plan as you're working but you are also able to then take the, the corpus of that money, that, that, the lump sum of that money, and do something completely different with it and get it aligned with a retirement income strategy. And rolling it over to uh, an IRA is not a taxable event. So Correct.
1: everything stays pre-tax dollars. And the withdrawal process once it's in an IRA would be the same as if you were pulling it from the 401k because you've reached 59 and a half. Uh, It would just be taxed at ordinary income tax rates. Measuring milestones, the financial Olympics, that's the subject of today's Get Ready for the Future show back in a moment. Welcome back. Inspired by the Summer Olympics, we're talking about the financial Olympics, maybe motivating us to be better uh, disciplined and sacrifice a little more so that we make sure we reach financial independence. That is the medal stand in life uh, for us. And there's a really easy way we offer to to check up on where you are. If you want to check on that milestone, we have the 15-minute retirement for you. You can text the word CHECKUP to 501-381-5228. Again, that's our number for uh, to receive a lot of resources from GenWealth, 501-381-5228. And if you text the word CHECKUP, you'll be able to go through the 15-minute retirement process. Uh, it takes less time than it does to check your social media. Just spend a little time and give you a bird's eye view. It is certainly not a very comprehensive view, but it gives you a good idea of where you are. It's a good milestone for you on your path to financial independence. We are using milestones today that are a little more connected to ages. So we're talking about uh, people who are getting closer to retirement. We talked about age 50, what to look for there, age 55 and 59 and a half. We're up to age 62 now. And the reason that's important, it is the minimum age at which you can choose to begin receiving Social Security retirement benefits. You are eligible now to receive a benefit, but of course it is at a lower amount than if you reached your full retirement age, which that full retirement age varies a little bit, but for most people now it's 67 And it is not the largest benefit that you could receive. That's another thing we can get into that sometimes people think full retirement age means that's the biggest benefit we're going to get. But it Mm -hmm. actually grows if you defer it to age 70. But sometimes health can choose us to need to go ahead and retire. Maybe you just want to go ahead and retire at 62. Decisions about when to take your Social Security benefit are very key When you're trying to measure your path to financial independence.
2: Scott, there is a ton of misconceptions around Mm -hmm. this in terms of when I should take my Social Security. I have people call me and say, hey, I'm turning 62. Do I need to take my Social Security? Well, they're still working and they don't need the money. Mm-hmm. and it would just add to their taxable income if they took the money. But there's this underlying thought process that the government's going to run out of money, and they're going to stop paying me a check, so I need to get mine as, as much as I can as quickly as I can. And that's just a falsehood. That is That is not how this is actually going to play out as far as Social Security is concerned. Look, Social Security is uh, run by a trust fund, and that trust fund does have a depletion thing going on with it, but that doesn't mean that they're going Going to run out of money and stop paying benefits. Mm-hmm. I think that Congress, you know, this is a long story that we've we've talked about a lot on the show, but Congress will eventually do the right thing and, and make sure that Social Security is uh, arrives intact with you. Now, they may make some tweaks to it and things mm-hmm. of that nature, but it really is not a decision that needs to be made based on whether the government's going to have any money or not, because they've got the printing press. They'll have money. But the question really is, Teresa, what does it mean to your retirement income? income plan. Mm -hmm. And that's where it becomes a lot of uh, really intricate math that you've got to go through to understand when the right time to take is.
3: Yes, I think another misnomer related to that is many people say, well, I'm retiring at this age, so I'm going to take Social Security immediately. And that's not always the case. It's a part of the puzzle that is your personal retirement income plan. But it's only one piece and it's an impactful piece. So we need to make sure we get it right. And there are a ton of different claiming strategies that can be employed, part of our ready to retire process is that we look at it from a bunch of different angles. If we change it to this age, what does it do to the overall plan? And look at the different impacts and help you decide which one makes the most sense for you and your family with your unique goals.
2: Yeah, there are scenarios that we run in just on Social Security Mm -hmm. to say, should we take it at 62? Should we take it at 63? Should we take it at 67? Should we take it at various ages to test whether that has an impact on your overall retirement thing? I, I want everybody to really understand this. Social security enables the money that you've saved for retirement to last longer. Yes. And so that's the test that we're looking at. How much impact does it have on the longevity of your money, uh, how you take that social security benefit? I think it's important too to point out that it is much more valuable even
1: still when you're talking about Two people, and oftentimes Mm -hmm. we're working with a couple, right? So it's not really just about when you claim your benefit, it's when how that's going to impact your spouse's benefit as well. And John, you mentioned uh, people continuing to work and wanting to know if they should take their social security benefit at 62. Obviously you got to watch the income limits there that can mm-hmm. reduce your benefits until you reach full retirement age and that that is a very restrictive income limit too i yes, think it's around $19,000 maybe closer to mm-hmm. 20 now yep. and it does go up but it doesn't go up much so in other words if you're going to continue to earn income uh, and it's over $20,000, you're going to get dinged on that benefit if you're taking it.
2: Let's mm-hmm. talk uh, Let's talk also about something else that comes uh, along uh, in this time period, if you will, related to the government, not related necessarily directly to Social Security, but that is Medicare. At 65, you've got to deal with the Medicare issue because Medicare actually penalizes you if you don't sign up for mm-hmm. Medicare at a particular
3: time. Mm-hmm. So at age 65, it's really important as you're approaching age 65, which is our next milestone, that you get at least part A on time because that penalty is permanent. So if you wait past your what's called your open enrollment, first of all, you're not going to be eligible till the next open enrollment, but you're also going to have a permanent penalty on your premiums going forward. Yeah, and so that can be impactful.
2: That can be a, a 10% surcharge on mm-hmm. Part B premiums. Yeah. And you work with your advisor to, to save a lifetime of money, and then you don't want to have to funnel some of that away to a, a penalty that is permanent. Uh, as it relates to your health care. Uh, health care is expensive enough. Uh, you know, we we have uh, lots of cost of health care in retirement. You don't need an extra penalty for you by missing that age 65 sign up for uh, Medicare.
3: And Medicare Part A is your primary insurer at age 65. Whether you have insurance through your employer, if you're in a group plan or not, Part A is required at 65. Part B can be delayed, but make sure you do the paperwork so they understand that you have a group plan that's taking care of that part for you until you're ready to retire and then three to six months before you fully retire start looking into the part b and the other supplements but make sure you've got part a at 65 to protect you from having some gap in coverage
1: i'm gonna ask you guys to survey the, all the appointments that we've had let's just say in the last year but maybe even over a longer period of time what's the most common retirement age that we get if we ask someone what do you when do you want to retire
3: Sixty five. It's right here,
1: right? 65. and that's why mm-hmm. it's the Medicare thing. This health insurance thing is a big deal because yes. if you retire before sixty five, you've got to figure out how you're going to be covered. You know, and there are uh, not too many number of companies anymore that provide continuing health care coverage. Uh, if you have a public job, you may have the option to carry that through all of retirement. If you have a private job, you may be able to extend your group benefits for a limited time through. COBRA, uh, but you'll have to pay the full cost. So, so health insurance premiums are going to go up for a time if you're uh, prior to age 65 and not eligible for Medicare. And that, I think, goes back to why building a retirement income plan is so important. You need to know mm-hmm. what those costs are going to be. We talk about required income all the time with our clients, and sometimes they know what their expenses are now, but they need help figuring out what they're going to be in retirement.
2: Well, and let's, let's uh, kind of divert from all the technical things that we're talking about here for just a second. And let's talk about the psychology of retirement for a second. Because I will turn 61 this year, I'm beginning to think about, okay, what does retirement look like? And what am I going to do with myself and all of that type of thing? Those are serious questions, folks, mm-hmm. you've got to really think about what life looks like on the other side. And you may be going, I got plenty to do, it's going to keep me busy and all of this mm-hmm. type of thing. But you could be Going, I don't know who I am past my job, and so those are things that I think that you've really got to to spend this time period, maybe in the in the 60s or so, beginning to think about what life looks like. Teresa, we talk to people about work retirement and doing yes. a phased in retirement. I think that really does resonate with a lot of people.
3: Yes, I think the studies have shown us people need purpose, and when you're working, often that becomes a lot of what your purpose is. If you've got a family at home. That that may be a big part of your purpose, what gets you up daily. But even in retirement, you need a purpose. We tell people all the time, you have to retire to something, not from something. Because the the things that get you up in the morning, that's what's really going to make you have joy. You've got to stay connected to people. You've got to stay connected to what drives you. And whether that's volunteer or a work retirement, which being completely blunt is what I'm planning on. I'm, I'm not the type of person that I could go home and stay home But whatever drives you, make sure you're planning ahead for that and using those pre-retirement years to figure that out.
2: Yeah. And I think that that clearly having a plan is better than going, I'll just figure it out when I get there, because Mm -hmm. psychologically that hits you really hard when your life changes and you're not ready for it. And yeah. and so clearly, it's something that you've got to, to, to think through, you know, where do I want to live? What do I want to do? Uh, do I want to continue to work? Uh, and a lot of people, you know, have this kind of idea of I'll work till I die. Well, I wouldn't count on that either, <laughs> right. uh, mm-hmm. because healthcare issues come up, especially in your 60s. Uh, you've got to be doing some things to to be able to, to sustain, especially if you have a job that is, you know, uh, some sort of manual labor or something like that bodies wear out. And so you've got to think about those things in this time period. The Olympic athletes don't continue to compete past their
1: 30s, right? I mean, they can't do it at that level for very long. Mm -hmm. Uh, I share a quick story about work retirement. I was in my dentist chair getting my teeth cleaned earlier this week. And my dentist told me that he's retiring in about a year. No, I did not know. He's very fit guy looks great. He's 74 years old. Wow. And wow. And he's just now retiring, right? Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I started asking him questions and when I could talk, you know, with everything in my <laughs> mouth when he, when he took something out for a minute. But I asked him, I said, well, you know what you're going to do in yeah. retirement? He said, same thing I've been doing. And I didn't even realize this, but he'd only been working three days a week for a decade. Oh right? wow. So he, he considered himself semi-retired mm-hmm. already so mm-hmm. it's not going to be a much of a transition for him to fully back away yeah no. and I,
2: I think that that works best for a lot of people that I've worked with over the years mm-hmm. as they fade into retirement if you will and it's of not a hard stop. Yeah, yeah it's not that hard stop not that sudden change that that really is a shock to your system both physically and mentally uh, mm-hmm. and some people are, are wired differently they're like when I'm done I'm done I'm yeah. going to the house I'm sitting on my <laughs> button watching TV or whatever the case may be and and that's fine If that's if that's your thing, I just want you to be prepared for it because retirement is coming. Yeah, and retirement income plan we can
1: fold that in as Mm well—a projected amount of part-time income, you know, but for a certain amount of time. Those are all parts of the written retirement plan that we put together for our clients as part of the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process to get started. Through that process, you can reach out toll-free 866-653-PLAN, 866-653-7526, or just email us info at GetReadyForTheFuture.com. So we're up to age 66, and this one's going to be rather short because there aren't that many uh, folks probably still descending into this. But we mentioned the full retirement age Mm -hmm. for Social Security. For most people, it's 67, but if you were born between 1943 and 1954 and you're not retired yet <laughs> age 66 is your full retirement age for social security so you have likely passed it obviously right the math well, works it's there kind
3: of working its way through there's 66 in two months yes. 66 in four months so it kind of works its way up to 67 from there
1: so you do need to know your full retirement age because that is when your full benefit arrives uh, but again like we referred to earlier in the show, that's not the
2: biggest benefit. It is just the full retirement, leave it to the government, full retirement benefit. Uh, Only the government could screw up the meaning of the word full.
3: So It's very subjective. But
2: but again, I think that if we can emphasize one thing about this whole Social Security discussion, it is, it depends on what you're doing as Mm -hmm. far as your overall retirement income plan is concerned. So be careful about making some, you know, So just cookie cutter judgment about when you want to take Social Security, sit down with your financial advisor, go through your retirement income plan, understand the impact of that Social Security decision on the rest of your money
1: financial olympics that's the theme of today's show taking some inspiration from our summer olympic athletes and the training and the sacrifice that they endure to get to the medal stand our medal stand is financial independence and we're talking about some milestones to check along the way back in a moment Education-driven, strategy-based, team-delivered. That is the Gen Wealth difference. And we're talking today about the inspiration of the Summer Olympic athletes and how they can inspire us to reach our own medal stand of financial independence. And we talked about earlier in the broadcast how they have those times, right, in, the, in the sports like swimming where they're trying to beat a time every time they go out and work harder and just shave some time off of their uh, performance. The same is true in your retirement. There are some milestones along the way before you reach – the actual uh, closing in of retirement, that you can make some checklists there and and things you can do to accelerate that timeline towards financial independence. And we've broken them down by age. We talked about age 50, 55, 59 and a half, 62, 65, and up to 66. So now in this final segment, we're getting to age 70. OK, so we're going to go back to Social Security in the talk here. We mentioned that the full retirement age benefit is not the biggest benefit you receive If you wait until you're 70 to begin taking Social Security, that is the maximum amount that Social Security will give you. And it goes back to a lot of factors, the Social Security analysis, uh, what your spouse's Social Security income when it comes to figuring out when to take your benefit. But we do have a chart here that we're going to show you the break-even analysis uh, of choosing the earliest that you can take Social Security, which is age 62. Uh, We are comparing it to uh, age 66, and then age 70. And it usually ends up being about the same break point. Uh, it, it, it's around age 80. You know, on this graph, it looks like it's right before age 80. And it does vary some uh, depending on uh, your personal situation. But this is all based on, really, the benefit here is, is how long are you going to live? And most people don't think, I would say my, my experience mm-hmm. is, guys, that they don't think they're going to live to age 80. Most people don't. So many yeah. people come in thinking they're going to want to take it early because they'll never see. Uh, never hit that break even even. break even point
2: well and the other way to think about this is that if you live beyond 80 then delaying your social security is actually more financially beneficial to you than Mm -hmm. than than it would be otherwise but again i think that that playing this game about how much money i'm going to get from the social security system is the wrong question yeah the right question is what is social security I'll get this out in a minute. (laughs) Social security. What is social security going to do for me in terms of making my money last as long as it possibly can in retirement? And that's the real uh, pivot point on social security that you got to be looking at.
3: When you're thinking about retiring and retirement and trying to time it, your income has to be the driving force, not social security. Because if you've got the assets to produce the income you need, then Just retire and enjoy your retirement. Don't worry about all that other stuff that you're worried about. I think it's important that you understand, that you focus on the right thing. You know, if I'm an Olympic swimmer and I'm worried about, what it's like to run on flat land—that's not helping me. So the retirement game is more focused on income, and Social Security is a piece of it, but it is just a piece. So that's why it's important to get with your financial advisor and have that plan in place that considers it, and and in light of all of your other pieces too.
2: Scott, I can't let this go. Teresa has kind of alluded to being focused on the right thing as opposed to the wrong thing mm-hmm. throughout any time that you're planning for retirement. If your focus is on, let's say. Uh, rate of return on Mm -hmm. your investments, then you're focused on the wrong thing. It's not about rate of return. It is about, are you moving forward toward your goals? Mm-hmm. Now, rate of return has an effect on that, and certainly you don't want a very low rate of return, but it's not that you've got to hit 20% every year. One of the yeah. things I, I'm, I'm really kind of worked up about right now, about what the market is doing right now, because the market returns have been spectacular, yeah. and anytime I sit down with a client when we're doing an annual review these days, I go, look, this too shall pass. Yes. This, this will go away. You will not, don't expect this next year. Don't expect, don't set up yourself for failure by expecting that you're going to get a 20%, 25, 30% return on your investments every year. Rate of return is a component Mm
3: -hmm. and
1: it is a big component to the overall plan, but it's not the goal. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the way we describe it is we're outcome-based. You want the success. You want to reach the medal stand to use our Olympic terminology. Mm -hmm. You want financial independence. That's outcome-based planning. Certainly, you need those rates of return for your investments to produce the income you need for that successful retirement. But people do tend to get too focused and make that the main thing. And that's that is losing focus for sure. All right. So our final uh, age used to be 70 and a half. And there actually is something we can use for 70 and a half because something didn't change. But Mm -hmm. the required minimum distribution Rules have recently changed. It used to be 70 and a half when you reached, or the year you reached 70 and a half, you had to begin taking distributions from your ira or your 401k
3: and specifically the pre-tax ones Let's the pre-tax be very tax careful ones. to yep. make sure we clarify that
1: the rules have changed uh recently due to uh, congress enacting uh, i'm going to draw a blank on secure the act or secure act or the was it the secure act mm-hmm. yes the secure act changed it they've had so many the cares act, the <laughs> there's Security been act, so many in a row the secures act changed the rmd to 72 so now as of january 2020 you must begin taking RMDs starting at age 72. You may defer your first RMD until April 1st in the year after you turn age 72, but then you're required to take two distributions mm-hmm. that year, so it's probably not advisable to do that. Now, the one the one thing we should point out, too, that 70 and a half still exists for is they did not change the rules with the QCD, the, the uh, Qualified Charitable Distribution. Yeah. So you can mm-hmm. actually still take those at 70 and a half, and what that is is basically if you want to make a charitable contribution with your RMD, then you can make that without it being taxable if it goes directly to the institution. And
3: that's a huge tool, especially if you have a larger asset base that you're trying to help your tax situation because you're required to take that distribution for your RMD. So it's taxable to you. But if you instead defer that to a charity that is a 501c3 charity, it's not taxable to you that year. It's also tax free to them. So it it really extends your dollars. The alternative would be you take your required distribution home, you pay taxes on it, and then you're using net dollars to donate. So it's really beneficial when you're old enough to do that, especially if you don't need that money for yourself to do that instead and help your tax situation.
2: The government is the king of complexity too. And and when you think about how complex these things are, it even gets more complex if you have an employer plan and you're still working, let's say at 72, Mm -hmm. but you have an IRA. And so you are required to take your RMD from your IRA. But if you're still working, you're not required to take an RMD from your 401k plan. So, you know, again, it is one of those things that you got to have, you know, a guide to get through yeah. this, 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 uh, you know, menagerie of, of just stuff that's out there. Well,
3: Let's talk about that penalty, because if
2: you get it wrong, yeah, that's what I was. Thinking. Yeah, there you go. The, the penalty is 50% of what you should have taken. So if you mess up and think, oh, I'm still working, I don't have to take an RMD, but you have that IRA sitting out there you could get hit with that 50% penalty as a result of not taking the RMD from the IRA account. It may change again, by the way, the (laughs) RMD rules. Secure
1: Act 2.0 is working its way through Congress, and they could raise it to 74, and it actually may be different based on your date of birth right so they're really making it even more
2: complex i I wonder if uh, this is a novel idea i you know nobody's probably ever thought about this in washington why don't they ask the people that are in the retirement income industry Hmm. how to structure this and do it do it one time be done with it quit changing the rules yeah is that a Possibility? Probably not. Probably not. I just Mm -hmm. thought I'd
1: editorialize it for a moment. (laughs) Now, where these RMDs come into play, I think we should point out too, is most of the time our clients, I would say, are taking distributions from qualified accounts prior Mm -hmm. to the RMD age if they're retired. Uh, But if for some reason your Social Security and pension is enough and you're not taking money, uh, additional money, then these strategies come into play. Um, and then also if you have a lot of non-qualified money, it can help how it it can help steer how you develop your retirement income plan, right? If Mm -hmm. you have non-qualified money that can bridge the gap and you may, you may want to take the qualified money first though, because you may want to to start taking, lowering the base Mm -hmm. so that the required minimum distribution is less.
3: Another thing to touch base back on that qualified distribution, the charitable ones, your. Taxable income drives your Medicare premiums in retirement in case you didn't know this. So if you have the opportunity to defer that income to someone else, that also helps limit the impact of your required distributions on your Medicare premiums. Because if you're forced to take income that you don't need and then it increases your Medicare premiums, that's like a double whammy to me. Mm -hmm. So if you have the ability to do those, that's another way that it may help you.
1: It also can affect how you take those distributions from your retirement accounts based on the changes in the rules of the inherited mm-hmm. IRA, too, which we've talked about as now as it transfers to the next generation, your children are going to have to take that money out in a 10-year time frame rather than being able to stretch that over the course of their lives.
3: Man. Beautiful timing. How did you do that? The
2: bell right as I finished a <laughs> sentence. That is the
3: bell You signaling. have paid
2: Casey to time that on, on your last word. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just absolutely sure he's always listening. It is time for our final thoughts. And Teresa, we'll start with you.
3: Having an advocate is huge. There are a lot of dates we've talked about today. And there are a lot of things that you can do to work towards your goals. But having somebody coaching you and helping you through those so you don't have to memorize them is a great tool also. So I'd encourage you to reach out to your financial advisor and make sure that you guys are tracking your deadlines and your um, kind of pivot points so that you're ready when the time is right.
2: Scott, I would say that that clearly the mindset that you have about retirement is going to dictate whether you get to that metal stand or not, whether you get to that spot where you can claim financial independence. Financial independence is elusive. It is something that is different to every mm-hmm. person, and that makes it maybe a little bit easier to attain because maybe your goal is not somebody else's goal. But the the constant here is discipline and having a plan on paper, on purpose, checking up on that plan on a regular basis. That is the true path to financial independence. And hopefully, you've seen some things through the show today that will help you down that path.
1: My final thought is, as we've talked about those Olympi- Olympic athletes and their immense talent and their sacrifice and their discipline, what we haven't said is, is they all have coaches. Mm-hmm. They all have people motivating them. I think of the swimming coach for uh, Australia, if you've seen that video, where he really gets into the, I mean, he's celebrating the victory, right, of his swimmer. Uh, you need somebody in your corner, not only with the expertise and the advice giving, but also the motivation and the cheerleading that goes along with you getting to the metal stand, which is reaching financial independence. And if you'd like to take the first step uh, in doing that, in hiring a coach, that's what we see ourselves as here at Gen Wealth. You can call us at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. That's all the time we have for this week's show. We'll talk to you again next week.
0: Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, leave us a rating and review. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24 7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866 653 PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. Wealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.